Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Hello again. Glad to be with you all, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to start a sort of a mini-series, devotional-type series. We're going to go through the book of Colossians. And uh, this is not going to be an exhaustive study, um, though by the end of it you might be exhausted. Um, but uh, but hoping to just kind of uh, pull out some thoughts and truths for our daily lives. And and uh, so I was kind of studying and kind of going through uh, some of the books of the Bible and and, uh, and trying to see what uh, what might benefit us and be a blessing to us. Uh, kept kind of coming back to the book of Colossians. And we may not hit on everything, but uh, but I just thought. Uh, We'll just spend a few minutes every day in this book and just uh, see how God might uh, apply some of these truths to our lives and uh, and hopefully uh, help us with our growth and our understanding of Him. And uh, before we get started in Colossians, it's uh, it's one of the epistles, uh, the letters written by the Apostle Paul. Was, first of all, it was one of the ones written from prison. But in this uh, uh, epistle, he's dealing with the church as the body of Christ. Now, Ephesians... Uh, deals with, uh, uh, sort of uh, considers the body, the body of Christ, under the headship of Christ, uh, but is dealing with more of the body. Colossians here is considering the head, which is Christ, as it relates to the body. So the body's relationship to the head is in Ephesians. Colossians, the head's relationship to the body. And then Philippians is more of the body as it relates to one another. And, uh, and so we're going to consider our head, Christ, as, uh, as it relates to us as a church and to us as individuals. And so my desire is that would be a blessing. It starts off with, uh, it, uh, it says, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother. So we know right away who the author is, Paul, and uh, Timothy is there with him. And, uh, and it says there, it says, uh, it says uh, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Uh, that God called him, God had uh, given him that title, if you would, uh, and, and by the way, as far as the title of the apostle, he's the only one really outside the 12 that has that official position. You might see the word apostle show up, meaning sent one, uh, as it relates to Barnabas and some of these others, but as far as uh, more of a title type position, that's what you see with Paul. He is an apostle of Christ. And a very specific apostle, well, we might dive into that a little bit later, but but uh, he, we know he's the apostle to the Gentiles, and uh, and I believe the one who's been trusted, really the gospel of grace as it unfolds in the church age. But, uh, but, it, but it says this, and by the way, a similar thing is reiterated in Galatians, where he says that he is called an apostle uh, by the will of God, not by the will of men. You know, he didn't desire this for himself. This was not... Uh, uh, a man called thing. This wasn't a mama called thing. Uh, his parents didn't say, you're going to be an apostle. You know, this was God that chose him and pulled him out for this task. And and for that, I'm thankful. Um, I am a Gentile. And uh, and I guess in, a, in a, a broad sense, my salvation really traces back, back to the faithfulness of Paul. Uh, not, to, uh, not, not to mention all the, the New Testament that he wrote. But uh, but he says this, Apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. And, uh, and then it says, uh, to the saints and faithful brethren of Christ, or in Christ, which are at Colossae. So we know he's writing to a church, uh, a group of believers, saints and faithful brethren. 
Uh, some have suggested that uh, the saints were the Jews in the church age, um, and, uh, and, then, and, and the faithful brethren collected. Um, uh, however you want to look at that, he's talking to this group of believers that make up the body there at Colossae. And, uh, and he kind of, um, um, he kind of gives this introduction. He says, grace be unto you in peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very typical greeting of Paul. As he says, uh, uh grace and peace, um, be unto you. That's a, that's a church age, uh, salutation. That's a church age greeting. Why? Because Christ and the gospel brings peace and it brings, uh, it brings grace uh, and it brings peace. We're saved by grace. This is a different message than to uh, maybe some of the Old Testament prophets. This is a different message to the Jews that had rejected Messiah. And it's a different message from what we see in Revelation. Uh, uh, those are more of a message of judgment. Why? Because they've rejected. Uh, Christ had, God had extended grace and they said no thanks. And so, so a wonderful message for us in the church age. Hey, he, God wants us to rest in this. He says, grace and peace be unto you. This wasn't just a filler. Oh, he always says that when he starts it off, you know, dear so-and-so, you know. Um, but he's actually, this is actually a, a doctrinal thing. He says, he says, guys, as I, as I write to you, the more understanding you have of God and the more you, you read these epistles, I want you to rest in this grace and this peace that comes from knowing and walking with Christ. So, uh, so he, he, uh, he, he brings us to that, that place. This is a, uh, a specific message for the age we're in. And, uh, and so uh, uh, this is a gratitude that Paul gives from his heart. In verse number three, he says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Uh, Paul here, he's, he's expressing something from his heart. Uh, uh, there's, in fact, let me, let me read all you through verse five. In verse four, it says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have toward all the saints. This is a continuous sentence from verse three. So there's We've been praying for you ever since we heard about you, verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel? I'll pause there. The sentence doesn't end. Paul loves these run-on uh, forever sentences. I was reading through one of the ones in um, uh, Ephesians, and it took up like eight verses, uh, this one sentence. And uh, but, uh, but the three things that caused Paul to give thanks for this, this church, first of all, their faith. Uh, they've been praying for you since we heard of your faith in Christ. Now, this was a church he had not yet met in person. He heard about them. He heard about their faith. And, uh, and he wasn't rejoicing in their health. He wasn't enjoying, rejoicing in their prosperity or even their happiness or their peace. But he rejoiced in their faith. Um, the fact that they were saved by grace, we saw that in verse 2, grace be unto you. And it's through faith. We see that in verse 4. He rejoiced in their strong faith that they had in trusting God. He rejoiced in their love that they had to each other. He says, uh, he says, and for the love which you have to all the saints. By the way, when, when an outsider, this is, Paul was an outsider. He had not been to this church. He'd only heard about them. And I wonder, it was people hear about our church. They hear about the believers that make up our church. Do they hear about our faith? Do they hear about our love for the saints? Our love for each other and for one another. Do they hear about that? Um, and then it says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel? And uh, the, that's the third thing that he rejoices about. The hope that is laid up for them in heaven. 
Uh, in another place, Paul talks about our blessed hope. That's Christ coming back for us, the return. Um, but there's there's a hope that's laid up for us where in heaven. You know, I love uh, I love the songs. Uh, some of the songs we sing about heaven, and uh, one of my one of my favorites is uh, is uh, the one that says, "It will be worth it all uh, when we see Christ." And uh, you know, it talks about yeah, there are going to be trials and things and. And uh, in, in another place, and Romans talks about, I think there's a portion in Ephesians, but it kind of talks about uh, our sufferings in this present world and not really be compared to the riches, to the glory, which shall be revealed in us in Christ Jesus. I believe that's Romans 8. And, uh, and to think these, these sufferings, these, these trials that we face, and uh, uh, the, the, though they'll be kind of small. And Paul, uh, Peter says it this way. He says, um, uh, he said, uh, 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 count it not not strange, not a strange thing when you fall into diverse uh, the, the fiery trial, which is the trials. Though some strange thing happened, you shouldn't count it strange. These are, should be normal. And, and and Peter wrote a lot about suffering, and he says uh, he says uh, when you suffer, he says hereunto were you called. Some people they were, had a calling, if you would, as believers to suffer. And and uh, I'll tell you what, the, the more we suffer here, honestly, the more it make us say, boy, I can't, there's a hope laid up for me in heaven, uh, a wonderful hope, you know, and, and um, you know, with all the, uh, th- there was a lot of talk about uh, uh, earthly blessings, and there's a lot, of, you know, we see that even today, we, we, we get very attached to this world, and, uh, but Paul, he spoke much about the heavenly blessings, uh, and, and the reason is Paul's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to Israel. He's speaking to the church, the saved in the church age that make up the body of Christ. Uh, we're talking about this hope that is laid up in heaven. And so he rejoiced in these three things, the faith that they had, the love they had for one another, and that hope. They're very heavenly minded. Uh, uh, not, they're not minding the things of this earth. They're, you know, they're storing up for themselves treasures in heaven. And so uh, you know, and by the way, compare some of this stuff to First Corinthians 13, uh, especially 3, which teaches that faith and hope and charity, uh, um, uh, or verse number 8 talks about that, the, uh, these three remain at the end of the, the era, the end of the kingdom aid, uh, offer, if you would, um, the, whereas all these other things are going to become kind of useless. The prophecies become useless, and the tongues, they're going to cease. Uh, uh, they're, going to, they're going to come to an end, the, the, the prophecies, the knowledge, and the tongues, and some of these things. But what's going to remain? Faith, hope, and charity. And the grace of these is charity. And so, so the, the, the point here being is that he's rejoicing in that they're getting the picture. Uh, their faith is what's important. Their love for each other, the charity, and uh, and their their hope of heaven, faith, hope, and charity. And uh, let's look at uh, let's look at verse five and six. The last part of five says, "Whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, and it is in the world, and 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 bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth." So there's a, a flourishing aspect of the truth that they've received, and it has produced some kind of fruit. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I want to I say this. Um, as we look at this, he says, uh, he says uh, Where have you heard it in the word of truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in the world? The gospel, the, 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 the final fruition, if you would, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
as it's now come to full uh, understanding that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. And, uh, and so he says, this is what they're resting on. And what happened? It has produced a fruit. You know, there's, there's kind of a strange teaching out there that if you preach and teach the gospel uh, as the Bible expresses it, and that is, it's not of uh, any kind of works at all. Um, they'll say, well, people are going to kind of just live uh, however they want. They're going to kind of live lawlessly, if you would. But uh, hold on a second. I am not saved by any kind of law. Um, I am, I am bound by another law that Romans talks about, and that's the law of grace. That's the law of, uh, of my, my position in Christ as a new law in my members, so to speak. And, uh, and, and, and if we're not careful, you see, the reality is the gospel, uh, Titus talks about this. He says, for the grace of God, which bringeth salvation. So we're talking about the saving grace, the grace of God, which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men teaching us. It teaches us some things. So the grace that saves us is also the same grace that teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. What does it do? It teaches us to live for God. It teaches us to do these things. See, it's a different law, if you would. Uh, the, 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 the old Jew, the Old Testament Jews, and, and even into the, uh, um, the Gospels, if you would, the time of Christ, they were bound by this law. And, uh, and, and, and so when Christ comes, he came and he fulfilled the law, the, 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 the righteous demand of the law and that, that, that we could never fill. And what did, what did it cause? What did it uh, allow? Well, well, it allowed us to finally come to God because we couldn't measure up. So we come to God, <laughs> excuse me, by this new law, the law of grace. And, uh, and what does it do? It produces fruit. If you actually understand your position in Christ, uh, we're not uh, looking back and trying to pay off this debt constantly, uh, uh, you know, trying to say, oh, I messed up here and I messed up here and I'm trying to just kind of work on that. No, we look to the future and say, how can I glorify God? What can I do to, to bring honor and glory to him as I, I am not my own? I've been bought with a price. I'm to be a living sacrifice. And so, so he talks about this. He says, uh, this gospel, is, it's come to you, and it's in the world, and, and it bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. He says, since you've heard this, uh, you've responded properly, and you're producing fruit. And listen, even though we are saved by grace and not works, there is always a goal of fruit. That's really what we're going to be judged by at the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment is not about salvation, if you get in or not. Uh, everyone that's going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ is already getting in by the grace of God. What they're going to experience is what kind of fruit are you going to bring to the glory of God? Uh, the Bible says, store for yourselves treasure in heaven. I don't understand all the ins and outs of that, but the reality is there are going to be some treasures for yourself. There are going to be crowns that we cast at the Savior's feet. We're going to, they're going to be... Uh, some things there, and 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 you know, listen. This is, the fruit it comes from Christian maturity. Hebrews talks about those that uh, uh, have uh, uh, exercised the knowledge they have. He says, he says, strong meat belongs to those who, by reason of use, use of the word of God, uh, uh, have had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The person that's still in the milk. Um, the word, uh, they hadn't taken it in. They're, they're unskillful, it says, in the word of righteousness. That's, that's uh, uh, over there in, uh, in Hebrews. And so, uh, so this isn't, you know, we kind of talk, you know, when people start talking about uh, 
cheap grace for sal you know salvation. You know, well, no works. What are you talking about? You know, that's cheap grace. No, 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 no. Uh, that's a straw man argument because the reality is the grace of God that saves us by no works of our own, but uh, simply coming to Him by faith. It produces fruit in us. This isn't a cheap grace. Um, this is uh, this is God working in us. It's Him that He that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Let's look at two more verses, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Verse 7. As you have learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And uh, so, in other words, Paul and Timothy, they heard about this faithful church from this man Epaphras. He called him a fellow servant, and he says uh, he's a minister to them for Christ, so possibly... Uh, very likely the pastor there. He's the the the, the minister, the the servant uh, for them, and uh, he's either the pastor of the church or even possibly a deacon. Uh, uh, um, the the word there is diakonos, uh, which uh, is translated their minister. And e either way, it could be called a servant. And so, so this this is the man and um, uh, that that they heard uh, about this. Um, he's also mentioned in uh, Philemon. He's Philemon's companion and uh, possibly uh, son. Uh, he's mentioned in Colossians uh, later on in chapter four. And uh, but uh, but but he was saying that, that this is the this is how I heard about you guys. You know, I heard about your faith. I heard about your charity, your love for each other, and I and I heard about your uh, your hope of heaven. Okay, how'd you hear about us, Paul? Well, from this minister, our fellow servant. In other words, he says we we have a common bond here. He's someone I I, I uh, recognize his gifting and his love and and so forth. And so uh, the takeaway is we'll, we'll uh, just kind of wrap up there. We'll pick up in verse nine tomorrow. Um, uh, the takeaway is 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 this the, the the commendation that Paul had for the church. And by the way, he said back in verse three again, "We thank God, our Father, for you in Christ Jesus, praying always for you." Now, there was a praise here of their faith, their love for each other, and their hope of heaven, faith, hope, and charity. But he said he's also praying for that. And I want to challenge this church as we're praying for one another. Uh, that we're rejoicing, but we are praying to this end that that we would grow in faith with each other, that we would uh, um, uh, uh, love. Uh, we, we grow in faith rather uh, uh, in our faith in the Lord, our love toward each other for one another, and uh, in our hope of heaven that we don't get earthly minded. We challenge each other, ourselves continually to be heavenly minded, and uh, uh, and that that uh, that we can rejoice together. That others that hear about us are drawn to that that concept and say, "Wow, here, these are some real Christians," and of course, above all, that God would be glorified. Sure, appreciate you all. If uh, if you have any questions or need anything, please reach out. We'd love to chat with you, and uh, look forward to these uh, daily Bible studies as we'll go through the Book of Colossians, and hope it'll be a help to you. Uh, sure, appreciate you all. God bless. <music>